0: Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. So glad. To be here with you on this Monday evening, January 6th, 2020. Can you believe it? 2020. Here we are. We have moved into this new year. We are six days in. We have some 351, 59 days to go, if you will, uh, to... Be more diligent, to be more intentional, to be more purposeful, to be more resolved, to be more committed, to be more driven, inspired, to be more influential, to be more impactful, to be more relevant, to be more of what God has called you and I to be, whatever that may be. You have an opportunity as well as yours truly to actually go deeper with God, to be much more inclined this year to hit the target of things that we know that we should be working towards. And uh, we're going to talk about that today on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Again, I'm glad to be with you, Jess, Jesse Gistan in the house, and you know who you are. The number to reach me is one 888 I am going to talk to you about Plans. I'm talking to you about purposes. I'm talking to you about making sure that you don't waste your time this year. The coveted 365 days that we do uh, receive from our gracious master should never, if we could help it, be just dissipated into frivolous pastime, uh, as it were, as sheep yesterday, without any kind of impactful benefits that would... uh, secure optimism for the future we're children of God we're the people of the living God we say we are and therefore we are people of purpose we are people for whom and upon whom a plan has been uh, graciously employed in your life and mine all things are working together after the purpose of his own will and within the framework of that universal eternal purpose he has you in mind he has me in mind so Romans eight twenty eight says all things are working together for good, not have been, not will be are presently present tense. All things are presently working together synergistically between God's authority and his resources and his power driving events in the world, doesn't matter what they are. They are designed to work towards our good and his glory. And you are not to be ultimately a passive participant in the outworking of that plan. I have said it before to my own precious brothers and sisters at Grace. Um, the only way that Romans 8 verse 28 can be properly and rightly and conscientiously uttered by the people of God that is all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are the called according to his purpose. it can only be declared by you if you know and understand and walk in the reality of Romans chapter eight verse twenty six and twenty seven uh-huh see you probably don't even remember what that says, do you You might be able to quote romans eight twenty eight but can you quote Romans eight twenty six and twenty seven which, as you know, numerically go before romans eight twenty eight here is what it says so that you and I can get a grip on what we 're going to be talking about today romans eight twenty six says likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we are obligated to do but the spirit itself make it intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now we have the context for verse 28 therefore all things are working together for good to them that love God to them that are called according to his what purpose so now let me give you a larger vision of how to comprehend verse 28 verse 28 is understood by verse 27 calling your attention as well as mine to the reality that we need to be partnering with the spirit of the living God who has already affirmed us as sons of God and informed us that we will live in a world full of trouble. He has he has affirmed our sonship. He has informed us of suffering and he has entered into that twofold work that I have taught many of you before about. One is he is our helper, our helper. He comes along to help us in our weaknesses. Inherent in verse 26 is the people of God do not always know what to pray for, even though they are obligated to the task of prayer. That is your priestly duty that is my priestly duty. And I really thank God for this privilege of praying to him and praying by him. In other words, the people of God are not simply praying alone. According to Romans 8:26, the spirit of God is interceding for us and with us and through us, so that you do not look at Romans 8:26 as somehow the spirit of God over there praying while you're over here praying. No, the spirit of God is working through our prayers. He is exciting our prayers. He is driving our prayers. He is initiating our prayers as providence is forcing upon us circumstances that would lead us to have to pray every day. You and I are dealing with issues and matters and trials and challenges and events And obstacles and duties and obligations and all sorts of things that require us to actually give an answer practically or rhetorically or whatever. We are people of obligation and we find daily that we need God's strength to be able to do what God has called us to do. First of all, because of our weakness, that's what verse 26 is saying. We are weak. Osteneo, the Greek word means that we do not have the necessary strength to actually execute the duty the way that it needs to be done. It's often where we find ourselves clearly missing the mark or coming short of being able to accomplish the goal. Well, that's because God never meant you, child of God, to do what he's calling you to do all by yourself. He gave you a helper. That helper is the spirit of the living God, who comes alongside of you, buttressing up against you on the opposite side of your issue in order to help you lift that issue up and get it moving or remove it out of the way. He is that sunan Lombano, that in individual who comes alongside of you, engages with you in that trial he receives your challenges along with you, not taking it from you, please hear me now. He does not take your obligations from you. He comes along to help you with them. I unpacked this for our our church at Grace several months ago. The goal of the Holy Ghost is not to take your problem from you. His goal is to help you engage them, help you receive them, help you address them, help you accomplish them, help you overcome them, help you subdue them. His job is to help you. He's not going to do it for you. You can't do it for yourself, but he's there to help you. And that's what is meant when the scripture says God will make all grace to abound so that you and I can do everything that God has called us to do. I can do all things through him who what strengthens me, strengthens me. So Christ graces us by his spirit to be able to move forward in the task that we understand innately we have no ability in ourselves to accomplish. Y'all following me so far? The second thing that he does is intercede. And this is where you will discover whether or not you really are a child of God, or you may just be talking about it. If you're really a child of God, You are preoccupied with the affirmation of your sonship because the third person is there to bear witness that you are a child of God. That's verse 14 through 16, where he lets us know that we have not received the spirit of fear again to bondage, but the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, and he bears record with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. So we don't have to lie. We don't have to tell people that we're children of God, but we're not. We know we're children of God, not because we say it, but because we experience sonship where God himself is bearing record by his word in our lives that we are the people of God. And he is moving us into his purpose and his purpose always comes with trouble. It comes with sorrow. It comes with suffering. I say all that to say the year two thousand and twenty. We'll have its challenges just like the year 2019. You're not going to get away from that. We have to simply address it more wisely, more deliberately, more purposefully this year, more um intentionally. As uh, we have learned last year in our own fellowship around Proverbs 11, uh, verse 3, part A, that the integrity of the upright shall guide them. And we're asking God in the year 2019 to grant the spirit of God, who is our integrity to make us whole and to help us complete who we are and the projects that God has given us. Um, we could talk about that for a whole two hours as well. What I want to do before I go to the break, besides giving you the number one, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. If you're really interested in wanting to kind of just talk about, it out, work through Uh, you know, your goals for the year 2020, I'd be glad to to help you. What I definitely want you to understand is you're not going to be passive in the year 2020. You're not going to be indifferent and you're not going to not do anything. You're going to do something. As one of my uh, pastor colleagues and protégés put it, you're going to sow something this year. You're going to sow either to the flesh You're going to sow carnal things, worldly things, material things. You're going to sow just fleshly things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God or your own edification. You're going to you're going to sow laziness. You're going to sow indifference. You're going to sow a wastefulness of time. uh, If you're not purposeful, if you're not committed to the plan and purpose of God, you're going to sow something. You're going to sow good seed or bad seed. Be sure of that. Uh, and this is my argument for you to understand that you won't get away with not being resolved to labor more intentionally and deliberately this year for good things because you're going to sow something. And here's how you know. Think about what happened last year. And ask yourself, are you reaping consequences from what you sowed last year? Are you reaping The consequences of what you sowed last year. Let's, let's do what the proverb says. Let's ponder the path of our ways. Let's consider our goings. Let's, let's examine ourselves. Let's, let's make sure that we are not walking in self deception. Let's ask ourselves, what really did we sow last year? Because that harvest has come in and you're reaping it right now. It comes as certainly as you and I breathe in and out, as you and I go to sleep and wake up every day. As the sun rises and set, uh, metaphorically, uh, we are sowing something, either good or bad, either spiritual or carnal, either temporal or eternal. What are you going to do this year? One of the things I'm going to talk about when I come back from the break are several concrete categories that will manifest or express a committed people of God, the place where God's name dwells. You and I are called to be the habitation of God through the Spirit, and men and women ought to see something of the purposeful God in your life and mine. And I, I really want to uh, press that home for you. And in doing so, here's what my benefit will be for you. Whether or not you accept what I'm saying and embrace it and walk in it or not, it's going to show up in your life. What I'm going to talk about today is going to show up in your life over the next 12 months. My hope is that you will be committed with me to be resolved to move forward in obedience to God. And become what God has called all of us as children of God to be. Now talk about that after the break. one One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. one the number to reach yours truly Jesse Get stand in the house with you to talk about the things of God and to edify and build up the body of Christ and to warn us to make our calling and election sure. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. The time is five twenty-three on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. The Lord Jesus made mention to the disciples as they were going about ministry, and the disciples were kind of being busybodies in other people's business and. Um, Even the seeds of a a kind of hierarchical uh, assumption on their part was beginning to develop because they had walked with the master for two and a half years at that time, maybe closer to three. They thought that they had the right to control other disciples and and bring other disciples under their authority at that present time. While the bridegroom was with them, nothing could have been further from the truth. And so Christ had to admonish them. Uh, When they were saying, hey, there's some guys over there doing uh, doing ministry uh, and they're not with us. They're not behind us. They're not uh, identified with us. They're simply doing stuff in your name and um, they're not with us. And Christ said, listen, he that is for us is with us and he that is not for us is against us. And what he was teaching his disciples is, is several things. First and foremost, that just because those persons are not acknowledging them, Peter, James, John and the rest, doesn't mean that they aren't for Christ. Just means that Christ has had a personal and special relationship with them. And it was evident because what Peter, James and John saw them not doing was being listless and aimless and loitering. They didn't see them just kind of meandering about wasting their time. These persons were employed in the kingdom task, which meant quite obviously to the thousands and tens of thousands to whom Christ had preached these people in Luke chapter nine of whom Jesus plainly said uh, they cannot be against us when they are working for us because you are either working for Christ or you're working against him. You're not in the middle ground. And that really is the point that you and I want to take up today. When people from afar off look at us, observe us, what are we exhibiting in terms of our walk with God? What, what, kind, of, uh, what kind of reputation are we manifesting? What kind of uh, witness are we fabricating in the presence of other people? They may not know that we're of God. Like the disciples didn't know that those other men were already disciples of Christ to whom Christ had ministered, drawn in and work with them. Albeit he decided to take these 11 men for no intrinsic reason on their part, but he just chose to. Yet those other disciples were working for Christ and bearing record actually to the disciples that uh, we can hear the Lord Jesus as well as you recognize him as our Lord and then respond accordingly in terms of getting about the business that he has called all of us to and that's what he has done for you and that's what he has done for me. He's called us to 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 the work. So what what this year is for me and what this year should be about for you, we have themes that we take up at Grace every year if you are listening, you're part of Grace, you'll get that here in a moment um which I'll unpack and develop in uh in a few uh, sermons starting on this Sunday. Uh, we we have themes that we follow because as the people of God in a local context, um, we are a local church. We are a, uh, a a unit of believers, several hundreds of us uh, working together to uh, emit a witness called the House of God, the Body of Christ, the um, Church of the Living God, the Ecclesia of Jesus. And, uh, and and we are called upon to actually live intentional lives that witness a people who are engaged in an enterprise for God. For us, this New Year's theme driving our trajectory trajectory for the next, like I said, three hundred and sixty five days, three hundred and fifty nine days uh, uh, to be exact right now will be co-laboring together with God. Co-laboring together with God is going to be our theme for this year. This is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1, if you will. Listen to it. We then, as workers, the word can be translated co-laborers together with him, literally with God. The context is clear. We beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Looking forward to developing that, bringing that to its Uh, expository emphasis in your life and mine on Sunday. But our theme for this year is co-laboring together with God. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about you and I understanding that the reason that God saved you is in order for you to actually enter into his agenda. The reason why he saved you and left you here is in order that you and I might come to understand his agenda and to enter into it as part of our identity and as privileged persons being public uh you know relations uh advocates for the true and the living God the house of the living God is a place where God's name is the people of the living God is a place where God's name is honored where God's name is adored where God's name is obeyed where God's name is reverenced, and where God's name is disseminated to the people abroad had a wonderful opportunity to um to develop a message on Sunday evening at one of our um, uh, co-fellowship churches in Antioch, and I was dealing with the subject of the house of God. And uh, the the idea that God would use you and me, uh, bring us into this this collaborative uh, objective, this collaborative plan of his, and call us the house of God, is a profoundly important concept, if you will. Think about that for a moment you and i are called the house of the living god the temple of the living god that's no small nomenclature that's no small title that's no that's no that's no kind of frivolous identity marker that's absolutely profound when you consider the imminent nature of the infinite god himself eternal god in all the fullness of his ontological uh, enormity that he would call you and i his house That's a place where he dwells. It's phenomenal thought thought that you would be the dwelling place of the most high God. Well, why would he do that? Just so you can just have the privileges of a personal and private communion with him. What is this just about a closed door meeting between you and God? where uh, the presence of his Shekinah glory that can be uh, translated his redemptive glory in Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is to be hid under a bushel? Have you read anywhere in the Bible where God meets a man or a woman or a family or a people group and that thing did not break out into a massive witness to everybody around them? See that's what I want to unpack a little bit for you today. I want you to know that God never has entered into the life of an individual, the life of a family, the life of a tribe, the life of a nation without it serving this one ultimate purpose. The advancement of his name, the advancement of his fame, the advancement of his glory and his honor and his dominion, the advancement of his redemptive purposes and claims. And for you and I to be called co-laborers together with God. Means that we need to wake on up, realize our privileges, and ask God to help us understand the identifying markers that constitutes being just that co-laborers with God. I've got seven. I've got seven terms I want to share with you. Seven, and I want to hear from you on this. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. The first one is collaboration. Collaboration. All right. I want you to think about that. Are you a co-laborer with God? Are you a co-laborer with God? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How does he give you rest? Take my yoke upon you. That means enter into a relationship with me where you're yoked to me and I'm yoked to you. And now you all of a sudden have the kind of necessary support and strength. And resources that you never, ever had before. But that brings you into a whole nother mission because now that you're yoked to Christ, well, you become a a co-laborer together with him and you no longer are just doing your own thing. A co-laborer. What does that mean for you, a co-laborer? When we come back from the break, I'm going to unpack seven concepts around what it means to be a co-laborer for Christ. Since you are the house of God, you are the body of Christ. You are the church of the living God. You are the bride of Christ. You are the witness of Christ. You are the son and daughter of Christ. You are a child of the most high God. You are the family of the living God. What does that mean? And how do you plan on affecting this glorious privilege for yourself this year in the year 2020? The number is one 367 How do you personally co-labor together with God in his agenda? Give me some tangible evidences as to how you do that and how you're going to do it this year. 188 367 5329 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back at the time 5:38 <clears throat> on the Monday edition of Lifeline 5:38 the number to reach me 188 367 5329. we've been talking about how important it is for you and I to be able to make sure that we are Walking in God's will, making sure that we are uh, doing what God is calling us to do. I think the way that our master put it constantly in the word of God, you know, he that doeth the will of my father, him my father will honor and I will honor him. That term doing the will of God is replete within the framework of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and largely Matthew and Mark and Luke, even though you see it again in the gospel of John as well. What Christ is stating as he talks about doing the will of God is referring to men and women who have come into an awareness of the enterprise and plan and purpose of God and have yielded to God as being one of his and therefore identified with God in his plan and in his purpose. One of the things I have discovered for many years now as a pastor is that particularly in the West, particularly here in the united states i don't know how uh uh, what the differentiation is between california and let's say the east coast new york and all the other states in between but what 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 has become abundantly clear in many ways you guys is that people have been kind of taught a christianity that allows them to take on a kind of sole proprietorship you know what that is it's when you Adopt a business model where you are the owner and you are uh, the worker. You are the sole uh, embodiment of that business. And uh, there is no real collaboration with you and others. You are sole proprietor. I was that way for many years in running my own business. It was a very small business where I could do most of the work myself and therefore did not always have infrequently. I did. A team of workers engaging in big projects that would require the name of our company and therefore an advertisement that would spread abroad as to watch this. The collaborative effort of several persons synergistically working towards accomplishing a common goal in terms of the objective before us. Well, when it comes to the kingdom of God, God has always called men and women alongside of him, of him to enter into that kind of massive project where God uses them, works with them, works through them to advance his name and glory. I'll just give you a couple of ideas around this, a couple of examples. Collaboration has always been the the almost absurd uh, mechanism or methodology of this infinite God in working together with us, collaboration. When he created Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathed breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, he had already decreed and fundamentally prophesied that Adam and Eve would be co laborers together with God, that God would grant them the right and privilege to bear his Imagle Day, his image and attributes. And characteristics in ways that were obvious in terms of them having dominion and replenishing and, and multiplying and subduing the earth. That's a collaboration. By the time Adam was conscious of who he was, he was already hired for a job that he did not create. Eve comes along in the same thing. She's immediately told that her job is to help him. And and their job is to honor God in an enterprise that God had established. Let's move on to Noah. Noah looks up and he finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. And guess what God does with Noah? Brings him into a collaborative joint effort, a synergistic uh, task of of mutual cooperation, not equal, but mutual, meaning God is the heavy lifting one on the side of the plan because it's his plan, it's his purpose, it's his objective but he graciously brings Noah and his wife and their children and and daughter-in-laws into this massive universal plan of witnessing to the world for over a hundred years of who God is and what redemption is and what man needs and the danger that man is in. It really is an Old Testament model of our New Testament verse. We then... As co laborers together with God, beseech you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That fundamentally is what Noah was doing for a hundred years in an enterprise that God graciously drew him into. If Noah were to call me today, or if miss Noah was to call me today, they could clearly identify clearly define clearly articulate to yours. Truly what that collaborative work is to which they have been assigned by God. Can you do it? Can you tell me what God has called you to do? And you are, uh, gladly, willingly, humbly, joyfully, Honorably engaging in serving God in that task. Can you do it? one 367 5329 The collaborative work of the people of God is what we've been called to this year. That's another word also that describes this sort of wonderful task to which you and I have been called, and that's the word communion. Communion, okay? You might be persuaded and you might even be convinced that you are collaborating with God. Well, if you are, then it also means that you are communing with God. God never brings you into a collaboration with him whereby he doesn't inform you as to the particulars of who he is, who you are and what you guys are to do together. It's called communion. It's called dialogue. It's called the intimacy of fellowship by which God reveals himself to you as he did with Moses. Remember, Moses becomes another one. Moses sees a burning bush and that burning bush becomes the conversation starter between the revealed Jehovah, uh, tetragrammaton. I am that I am, uh, that, that, that Moses now is drawn to and God begins to dialogue with him, letting Moses know that he already knew who Moses was. He understood Moses' situation. He understood where Moses was heading and Moses didn't even know it. See what I mean by God already having a collaborative objective into which he wants to bring you and I as he reveals himself to us in his redeeming glory as the fire in the bush and bush not being consumed. And Moses is compelled to enter into that dialogue where communion takes place with Moses and with God so that Moses knows who God is and God knows who Moses is. And now the two can work together. In fact, he brings Aaron into that collaborative as well. Does he not? And they, too, become the means by which national Israel is brought into this larger collaborative with God. Next thing you know, in about a year and two months, God has a nation that he had predestined before the world began and chose in his electing love to bring out a bondage from Egypt, and into the wilderness so that he could commune with them, fellowship with them, reveal to him to them who he was, and then bring them into a land called Palestine by which they could be witnesses of the true and the living God in this thing that I'm sharing with you called the collaborative process into which God is calling us. It requires communion with God. In this new year, you are to collaborate with God. In this new year, you are to commune with God. God says, come unto me. God says, Less reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. God makes it very plain that He doeth nothing but that He reveals it to His servants first. The secret, the mysteries. Of the true and the living God are with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. Are you entering into that kind of fellowship with the true and the living God where he is revealing to you what the gospel is and all of its concrete factors and revealing to you your gifts and qualities so that you can engage them for God's glory? You are called to be the light of the world. Your light must not be hid under a bushel. Are you hearing me? One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I've shared with you two of the manifest expressions of a person or people who are intentional about their walk with God being called the house of God, where God's name dwells, where men and women can ask you of the hope of the calling, which is within you. And you responding with a clear, articulate, full, voluminous knowledge of who God is and who you are in God so that that person might very well become a collaborative as well collaboration and communion. We have five more to go. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we'll continue our topic on the Monday edition of Lifeline. No one has called yet. one 367 5329 one 367 5329 Are you collaborating with God? Are you communing with God? Since you are a child of God. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. The time 552 on this Monday edition of Lifeline, January 6, 2020. How my how time flies. By the way, one of the things that you see going on, the kind of chatter in the news today is around what our Lord said in Matthews 24. Be very careful that there shall be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, see to it that you be not troubled." That's what our master said. Don't let the the kind of political harangues that you hear you know seasonally occurring, uh, ramping up, and 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 the kind of warmongering speech that you hear occurring don't let that distract you, child of God. Um, be very careful not to collapse into the kind of political uh, rhetoric that that Colin Kaepernick has done. Now, uh, it's it's tragic. His well meaning. Uh, If you will, uh, exhibition of uh, of uh, disapproval of of abuse uh, on the part of police officers towards African-Americans and people of color was a valid, valid, valid uh, right of his freedom. But but with all of us, our rights and our freedoms come with consequences when they are not dealt with in the most discreet way. I mean, just make this plain to you. I'm not going to at, at all go into what he said because I really don't care. Didn't really hear much of it. I did see uh, clips of it. And I understood that he has now developed a kind of a worldview and a kind of um uh, perspective epistemology, if you will, on America and the world that basically dangerously puts him into a category with a lot of people who could be almost rightly viewed as America haters. Be very careful, child of God. I'll say this with all earnestness that the banner that you raise up for men and women to see is not a banner of politics. That dialectical process will always extinguish the gospel in your life. The flame that you are lit by, that drives you, that compels you, that excites you, that that impassions you to talk about this, that, or the other, must be a flame that's rooted in the true and the living God, and again, his collaborative effort, his collaborative plan. Do not be driven by, fueled by, impassioned by, Things that you don't know or institutions and propaganda and conversations of which you cannot win for yourself or for God. When I listen to uh, Kaepernick, I do not hear him being an advocate for Jesus Christ. I do not hear hear him being an advocate for the true and the living God. I don't hear him being an advocate for the word of the living God as 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 uh, as much as he may speak for many different people on the planet. This is very clear. He is not speaking for the kingdom of God. And therefore, as I'm listening to uh, this kind of rhetoric about what happened with the uh, with the military uh, leader, uh, um, Salami Salumi, I, I'm really concerned about how how people will begin to have a conversation around it. I mean, this is exactly what Kaepernick did. He took up this matter concerning Qasem Soleimani, uh, Soleimani that's his name, Soleimani, uh, and began to uh, indict our government, our nation, and the president as uh, having assassinated this guy. And he begins to use terms like imperialism and and, and, and you know, domination and all that. Be very careful, child of God, that you don't collapse into that kind of rhetoric. Don't let uh, the media... Actually, pull you into sides on this. Don't let the media distract you from the most important thing that you've been called to. Don't let the media trap you in its diatribe of a left-right argument. Okay, don't do that. Don't don't be for Kaepernick or against Kaepernick. Be for Christ. Please understand what I'm saying. Don't don't be for the president or against the president. Be for Christ. Don't be for the West or against the West. Be for Jesus Christ. That's the best way to, to, to capture this. When our Lord made it very plain, my kingdom is not of this world, he began to teach the people of God, the disciples, an ethic of life, a framework of understanding the priorities of a, a biblical worldview, a, a morality spectrum that they understood required more than taking up arms and fighting against nations. Now, all of that still is under the rubric of our sovereign God. He is the judge of all the earth. He is the ruler of all the nations. He raises up kings. He sets down kings. We know this. We know this, but I'm going to tell you now, be very careful not to make human beings hear me now. Don't make human beings impersonal casualties of this kind of warfare conflict. Don't don't talk like human beings are nothing but a number of a process of casualty. Because they are on the enemy's team. Don't you talk like you don't care about the Imago Day, about the tragedy and calamity of the loss of life. Don't act like the pagan who does not understand the enormity of the death of a human being. It does not matter if he died in a uh, in the serendipity of walking across the street and in the mystery of getting hit by a car. It doesn't matter if he died in the sickness of illness or at the um, at the ripe old age of of. and and left this world. It doesn't matter if he died in war under a just war system. It does not matter. It does not matter. If he died outside of Christ, that is an eternal tragedy. It is a calamity of the greatest sort. And for the people of God to collapse into a kind of minimalist view of human beings just because it's popular to do uh, you know what you're doing? You're being derailed. You're being distracted. The job of the people of God as the house of God, having entered into a collaborative process with God and communing with God is to prophesy, is to preach, is to proclaim the lordship of Jesus, is to to proclaim the truth of the word of God, is to let the world know that the one true and living God who sees all of this has ordained all of this. Is engaged as is engaged in all of this on a number of levels that is eminently above your your ability or minds to truly scrutinize? The Lord very clearly made all things for himself, even the wicked for the day of evil. Very clearly, all things are working together after the counsel of his own will. We fully understand that God hasn't left this world alone. But he does give us wisdom to walk in certain categories. And I'm going to encourage you to be careful that you don't just become kind of a a political banter for the left or the right and be distracted from your main purpose, which is to proclaim the glories of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ so that you can collaborate with God. If, in fact, you are communing with him and he would be pleased to use you to draw out his people. To call his sheep, to call his elect, to call his chosen out of the melee of this broken world system. You and I were called out of it, and you and I were not called to Christ by the consequence of two political hackers going after it uh, over some uh, limited social issue. You didn't come to the revelation of the glory of the invisible God and the person of the visible God our visible Lord or visible Yahweh Jesus uh, by some kind of event taking place in the world on a political, social, horizontal level. It was because the gospel was preached to you. It was because someone was persuaded to maintain collaboration with God, communion with God, and the thing that was fitted in their lips was who God was in Christ, revealing his redemptive, reconciling, restoring beauties and salvation to you. And that thing became relevant to you. You discovered that you had a savior. His name was Jesus. And it completely reformed you, transformed you, and put you on another course. I'm saying to you, don't leave that course. Don't be distracted. Don't leave that course. Don't be distracted. You run this race well, as we said last Monday looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. You let him be your tupas, your model, your example. Let his faithful disciples be your tupas, your model, your example. Let those who faithfully serve the cause of Christ in this world with all the voices you are hearing. And there are so many voices you are hearing, so many images, so many idols, so many icons to which you could, uh, you know, uh, Fall down, bow down and worship if you wanted to. No, there's only one worthy idol icon to worship, and that is the visible Yahweh representing the invisible Yahweh in the person of the God man, Jesus Christ, who is the revelation of the invisible God, the image of him who is pure, perfect and holy. As he has revealed himself to you, be compelled to be transformed into his image and likeness and be as he was in this world about his father's business. So we'll get to our third point after I take this break. We've already dealt with collaboration. We've dealt with communion. I'm going to deal with the concept of consecration when I get back. Go hurt a little bit, but we need to hear it. If you and I are going to enter into this collaborative process with God and be the means by which the world comes to know this glorious God who who brings us into communion and fellowship with us because he loves to talk to us and then through us to others, you're going to have to understand what consecration is all about. And I'm going to share it with you when we come back from our break. The number is one 367 5329 one 367 5329 Are you intentional this year about serving with God collaboratively in the purpose for which he has called you? Or are you carving out your own agenda? Engaging in your own plan? Doing your own will? Caught up in your own thing. Telling God what you're going to do. Doing what you're going to do without even telling God what you're going to do. one i will be right back.